This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Hello, everyone. Ready to get started? Can so, you hear okay? Like, volume is okay? Yeah? It's okay? I can scoot this up a little bit. Um, well, thanks for coming back. How many of you actually were here earlier for any of the earlier sessions? Okay, great. So a lot of you have been hearing a lot about what we've been talking about. For those of you who weren't here, we talked about the case for change, about why it's so important to reach the wealthy, the worldly, the well-educated. Then we talked about heart conversion and how that's the first step in order to be prepared to share the gospel effectively. And now we're going to talk about life transformation. So before we do that, why don't we just have a quick word of prayer and then we'll get started. Dearly Father, thank you so much for this afternoon and for this opportunity for us to get together and uh, study a little bit more about why this is such a, a burden and why this is such an uh, important ministry that we should have in our hearts for the W3s. I ask that you send the Holy Spirit to be with each one of us here today, be with David and I as we share our experiences, and I ask that you touch the hearts of every person here so that they can find and discover the opportunities you've put in their lives to share the gospel more effectively. So be with us this afternoon and help us to have a blessed rest of the weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So before we get started, I've been doing this because I'd like to hear a little bit more about the audience. So before we jump into the material, if you will indulge me and go to menti.com with your phones and use the code 586930, which I will have on this as well. And this time the question is, think about a friend, a family member, or a colleague who is a W3. Does he or she admire you and want to be like you? And it's going to be a scale of 0 to 10, 0 being you strongly disagree with that statement, or you strongly agree if you're a 10, you strongly agree. So think about that person. Does he or she respect and admire you? And if you can't see the code, it's 586930. So just we'll give it a few minutes for people to drop this in. So as the votes come in, this is going to be a really important piece of sharing the gospel with the W3s because um, it's really hard to share something with somebody if they don't find you credible, right? So if somebody is going to take your advice on something, let's pretend you were, you know, I, I love food. So I like to tell people if I come across any really interesting restaurants. If I um, have really bad taste, like people go to my house and they try my food and it's awful, and I tell people, hey, there's this fantastic restaurant that I went to, you should try it, chances are they're probably not gonna love my recommendation, right? So similarly, the reason why we're asking this question, which is we're gonna talk about life transformation in this session, which is in addition to the heart conversion piece, you need to have life transformation happening for you to A, live in a good, live an abundant life, which is what God wants for us, but two, to actually have something credible to base your um, sharing of information with somebody else. So it sounds like we actually had a bigger mix of people voting in, if I can see it. I don't know if you can see from the screen, but there's a little bit of a mix in the, in the curve. So it sounds like there's a good number of, a decent number of people who actually put below a six. But on average, it sounds like we're doing okay. Um, as we go through this module, I'm hopeful that you will 
come up with some ideas of how you might improve the likelihood that somebody is going to be interested in hearing more about your lifestyle, your interests, and why they might want to learn what makes you tick. So I showed this earlier. The thing that what we're trying to, to, to really show here is sharing Christ, especially with the W3s, is really part of this virtuous cycle, which I had described as a self-reinforcing feedback loop, which starts with the heart conversion, which we talked about last time. We're going to talk about life transformation, and then it's going to continue, but this is all part of a loop that will actually reinforce your own heart conversion. So long story short is life transformation is critically important. Why? First of all, sin separates you from God. We talked a little bit about how heart conversion has to happen first, but if, if your life doesn't look different after heart conversion, there might be something wrong, right? Because if, if you do everything you used to do before, there, you're probably missing something, right? Because what God wants for you is so much better than what you had before, and you can't really, again, you can't, give, you can't share something that you don't actually have. And the second piece of this is what I was alluding to, right? So when you have God in your life and you have a transformation that happens from the inside out that frankly can only happen supernaturally, it actually shows others how awesome knowing God is and how knowing God can change your life so much for the better. So just, just to put a point on that, I, I mentioned in a prior session, uh, I am uh, leading, uh, I'm the CEO of the Japan business of my company. And so I have these employees who are watching every single thing I do. Like, it's, it's hard, you know, you kind of forget that, but I had one of, one of, my, uh, one of my, my head of sales said to me one day, uh, from the moment you walk in the door, people are looking at you and wondering whether you are having a good day. And he said to me, he, he was saying it to me in a complimentary way. He was saying, yeah, you, you're very stable, steady, you know, you're upbeat and positive. But our last boss, he was like happy and he was mad and he was, he was just bipolar. I don't know if he was literally bipolar, but like that was the behavior he was describing. And so this, this idea that our lives testify to the awesomeness of God is really, really critical. Um, people are watching you. Uh, they're noticing things about you, whether you know it or not. And everything you do is either making God look awesome or making God look not awesome. Everything you do. And so once you claim the name of Christ, you are not merely representing yourself. It gets out of the realm, oh, that's just the way David is. Oh, wait, but David claims to be a worshiper of this God who allegedly is omnipotent and has life transformational power, but he's a total jerk. If, if that's the impression that I'm leaving to somebody, um, you can see how that's very damaging to God and his name. And so we, we talk about, you know, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You know, there's a literal sense in which you shouldn't use God's name as a swear word. But I think there's an even more pervasive sense in which it's you claim the name of Christ, but you make God look terrible. And that is taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And so 
If you take nothing else from this presentation, remember that your life actually is a testimony of who God is. And that's an awesome responsibility. And think about it this way as well, is the W3s in your life, don't get me wrong, they're going to have challenges just like everybody else, but remember, a lot of their earthly needs are met. They have really good jobs, they're very successful, they've been very successful in life, they're very intelligent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you come to them offering something new or something different, and your personal life is not exactly attractive slash um, has something interesting that they don't already have themselves, it's going to be hard for you to sell God to them, right? Like if I'm, if I'm a really lazy person at work, I don't, I'm not really the best worker. My work is pretty shoddy at times. And then I'm talking, hey, guys, you should you know, come to meet the God that I believe in. That's not going to come out very appealing, right? So that's why credibility is incredibly important. And besides the fact that God really wants you to have a fantastic life, right? God wants you to live abundantly. God wants you to thrive. This is just a side effect of when you, when you have that abundant life, it's actually really attractive to people, even people that have a lot of their earthly needs met. So um, Ellen White actually said something really interesting in this respect, which she said in order to reach these classes, meaning the wealthy, the worldly, and the well-educated, we have to be living epistles, right? So believers themselves must be living epistles known and read of all men. So David, you want to talk about um, how do you help God transform your life? Right, so how does this transformation happen? And uh, God will do it. So don't misunderstand. None of this is about you're going to, you know, by your own effort, by your own willpower, uh, change everything about your life and become a transformed person. To the contrary, I shared the example earlier about my own, uh, in that example, it was diet. And, you know, frankly, it was about health. Diet, health, fitness, all of these kinds of things. And uh, God did transform my life, uh, but it was because I let him. And my prayer became, Lord, uh, Lord, if you want me to change X, Y, or Z, if you want to change me to change my diet, I need you to change it because I've tried and failed uh, many times. Um, but how does this happen? Well, it's by developing a daily devotional walk with God. And this sounds obvious, and perhaps it is obvious, but... You know, I, I, we won't ask you to take an online poll right now here in this moment, but I suspect that if we asked you uh, how many of us actually have a daily devotional walk with the Lord, every morning, prayer, scripture, uh, something along those lines, even five minutes, uh, I suspect that the percentage would be shockingly low. I suspect that the percentage would be shockingly low. And so this is what has to happen. And what does is, what is a devotional life look like? One is uh, prayer. And I have an acronym up there, ACTS. Some of you may have heard of this before, but it, it represents four components of prayer. That, uh, uh, and it's a helpful uh, device to help you remember that prayer is not just about asking God for stuff. Um, A stands for adoration, C stands for confession, uh, T stands for thanksgiving, and S stands for supplication. And that, that, that's the part that we're good at. That's the part where we ask God to do things for us. Um, but all of these components are present in a healthy prayer life. 
And so I, I would recommend this framework to you. Uh, and, you know, prayer is something which, prayer is, and devotionals are like a muscle. Um, before my heart conversion, I almost, well, I did not have a prayer, uh, devotional life. I did not have a prayer life before my heart conversion. And even after my heart conversion, it took time. I started with like, you know, five-minute devotionals. And it's better than nothing. But over time, the Lord has built that out. And sometimes, actually, we're just talking at lunch that the sweet spot's kind of like 45 minutes. You know, 45 minutes for both prayer and for, you know, some Bible study or, or devotional reading. Um, and, and so, but that doesn't happen overnight, or at least generally it doesn't happen overnight. You do hear these stories of people who have heart conversion experiences, and, you know, there's some period of time in which they're, like, literally studying the Bible for, like, hours and hours and hours and hours per day. And that does happen, and you go through those seasons, but um, that is not actually sustainable uh, for a variety of reasons. So it builds over time. So, you know, the encouragement here is, you know, just start small. Start with two minutes, whatever it takes. And part of your prayer needs to be, Lord, build out my prayer time. Build out my devotional time. And God will answer that prayer. So a prayer life is, is critical. Reading and memorizing scripture, really important. Uh, of course, reading scripture is important, but memorization is also really important. Uh, I have hidden thy word in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against you. So what we can take from that psalm is that uh, scripture memorization is actually the antidote to sin. Uh, it's the antidote to sin. So who wants the antidote to sin? Well, I'm like, I don't know about you guys. I want the antidote to <laughs> sin. And uh, memorizing scripture is actually, literally, scripturally, the antidote to sin. So you should memorize it. You know, I, I make this uh, slightly tongue-in-cheek joke when I teach Sabbath school. Um, when you do the Sabbath school quarterly, what's the, after the title, what's the first thing? The memory verse. The memory verse. Notice it's not called the reference verse. <laughs> but oftentimes we treat it as the reference verse because we refer to it at the beginning of the study. But actually, it's called the memory verse because you're supposed to memorize it. So memorizing scripture, reading scripture, really important. Um, and then mix it up to keep it fresh. Do, uh, you know, read books of the Bible. Uh, they're devotional books. Um, I like reading something from scripture all the time because that actually, you know, of course, is the original source, original source for all these things. Uh, add in script, uh, spirit of prophecy. Uh, you, you do need variety. It's, uh, it's like, uh, again, this is like a lot of, uh, I know a lot of our examples are about working out because it's actually a very good analogy to a lot of these things. It's a really good analogy. Uh, so you start, start small and you build it out. So it's like when you first start lifting weights, you start with small weights. But then over time, they can get heavier and heavier and heavier. Um, so so that, that's one aspect of it. But the other thing is when you are exercising uh, and working out, your body will adjust to whatever you're doing. And so you do need to mix things up. Different exercises, 
different uh, weights, different routines. You always have to be challenging your body and mixing it up. And it's the same thing in your devotional walk with the Lord. You always want to be keeping things uh, fresh, and you don't want to fall into a rut. And that's a really, uh, it's, a, um, it's a risk. It's definitely a risk, and so you've got to keep things fresh. I'd also challenge everyone here that something that changed my personal devotional life a lot when I was heart converted is before I would do very like very traditional things like maybe read a chapter in the Bible, maybe study the you know the day's quarterly lesson, etc. But it got it gets very stale if that's all you do. If that's what happened to me, it's very stale. And what helped me sort of take a fresh approach to Bible study and to something that was actually interesting is I started making a list of all of the topics that I either had questions about or my friends would ask me. So I encourage people to just tell me if they have a question or whatever, and I probably won't know the answer, but I'd like to study it. So I have a list that I keep, a live list that I'm always adding topics to. And I pick something off of that list and I spend, you know, probably a week or two just studying the answer to that topic. Like, what does God have to say about this topic in the Bible? So I would encourage you to not just do the traditional, you know, read a random chapter. I mean, that's great. And I've, I've, I still do that too. But I would encourage you to actually think about real topics that you either struggle with or that you have questions about. A lot of times I've, I've had people tell me, oh, I don't want to do that because I worry the Bible's not going to have a good answer or I worry that I'm not going to like what I find. And I would, I would challenge you that, that God actually always has the best plan for us, and he always has the best answer for us. And so I would encourage you to not just put that, hide that under your pillow, but actually take, challenge it and like, take that, that topic and really study it. All right. And then uh, another point here is show up even when you don't feel like it. Uh, so we're all tired, we all work hard, uh, actually we were talking over lunch, um, I use a sleep app to, uh, you know, it does different things, you probably all use sleep apps too, but it, you know, it'll measure the quality of your sleep and things like that, and one of the things it does is it tells you time in bed, uh, time, which is literally just when you turn the thing on and then when it wakes you up or when you, when you stop it, and what I've learned, and this is across like a year and a half of data, nightly data, my long run average hours in bed, so not necessarily sleeping, but it's close. Hours in bed is six hours and 10 minutes per night. Which is not a good thing. <laughs> I'm not recommending this. But the point is I'm tired. <laughs> but you gotta show up even when you don't feel like it. And again, I'll, I'll bring it back to working out. Uh, over the last, um, I mean, it's a whole other testimony, but uh, for 10 years I walked on crutches and canes because I have two hip replacements, four hip surgeries. Um, it's a whole other story. But over the last maybe five years, four or five years, uh, I've been able to go back to working out. Uh, I work out six days a week. And there are days when I don't feel like doing it. But you just get up and you do it, and you can call it going through the motions, and sometimes you are going through the motions, but it's better to go through the motions and show up than it is to just hit the alarm, turn it off, and go back to bed. You will be blessed, even though you feel, even if you feel like, you, there have been days when I'm, I'm falling asleep during my prayer time, but that is better 
than just being asleep on my back. You know, falling asleep on your knees is better than staying asleep on your back. Just show up, even if you don't feel like it. You just gotta keep, keep going. And then it becomes a habit, which is uh, good. Uh, and then serving, serving in your church, serving in your co community. Um, and I would add to that uh, having Bible studies with others. I've learned so much by teaching. They say you don't actually know something until you've taught it. So whether it's teaching at your church, teaching Sabbath school, teaching a youth group, whatever it is, you want to be in a position where you're serving. And that is critical to uh, the health of your spiritual walk. If you're not serving, um, all, again, all of my analogies come back to matters of fitness. But you know, if you think about coming to church, sitting in the pews, and receiving, receiving um, messages, sermons, teaching, Bible studies, it's like taking in calories. You're taking in spiritual calories. What happens if you, all you do is take in calories and you never expend calories by giving them out? You get spiritually fat. And that's what it's like. If you're not serving, if you're not teaching, if you're not sharing, it's like you're only taking in and you're never putting out and you will become spiritually flabby. And nobody wants to be spiritually flabby, right? So uh, you must serve. That is a key part of life transformation. Here are some tools that I've found really useful as part of um, you know, keeping me engaged. One is the, uh, the Ellen White Estates app. If you don't have it on your, your smart device, uh, you really should. It's a great resource. I mean, once upon a time, you had to spend like thousands of dollars to get the entire library of Ellen White and you couldn't even get the whole thing. Um, now it's a free download on your app, uh, on your phone. I mean, you, you, it's, and it's just so great. Um, so uh, the Ellen White app, uh, uh, Logos is a Bible application that I really value, primarily because it's a really great way to access the Seventh-day Adventist Bible commentary, as well as all the other library, uh, all the other um, items in that library, uh, different uh, translations of the Bible and, and so forth. Logos does cost money. I forget what it costs. It kind of depends on what package you get and so forth. Uh, and I know there are free Bible apps out there too, so that, that's fine if, if that's the way you want to go. But I do believe that, my, my personal experience, I find the Logos Bible app um, uh, useful and worth the money. Uh, and I, I don't get a commission for, uh, <laughs> for downloads on Logos. I'm totally unaffiliated. And then Scripture Typer is another one which uh, some of you may be familiar with, but uh, it's a Bible memorization app uh, you can literally download all the verses that you're interested in, 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 in memorizing, and then it puts you on a cycle where every day uh, it's spacing out which verses you work on, and it, it's, it's a really excellent way to memorize many different verses over time. So there, I'm sure you have your own favorite uh, resources as well, but uh, these, are, these are a few that I think are just very valuable uh, that you might want to consider. We talked about uh, consistency. Uh, this is a slogan uh, from one of my favorite uh, trainers. And he says, a 30-minute workout is only 2% of your day. 
that sounds pretty manageable, doesn't it? If you can't give 2% of your day, whether it's to a workout or in our context, if you can't give 2% of your day to starting the day out right with a devotional, um, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, you, you might want to reevaluate your time allocation. It's 2% of your day. Uh, the other thing is sometimes people will come up to me and say, well, you know, I'm not a morning person. I really like to do my devotionals at night. What do you think about that? And I'd say, uh, it's better than nothing. But the analogy that I would use is, um, you know, how many of us brush our teeth? Can you raise your <laughs> hand if you brush your teeth? All right. I hope only about a third of you are raising your hands. So um, I'm sorry to hear that. But we all brush our teeth, right? And who brushes their teeth in the morning? All right, more people brush their teeth in the morning than actually raise their hand the first time. So that's, that's good. Uh, why do you brush your teeth in the morning? Because you don't want your breath to stink, right? Because if you don't brush your teeth in the morning, you might offend. And it's the same thing. You do your devotional in the morning because if you don't, you might offend. So, yeah, do, do your, uh, it's good to do a devotional at night. In fact, I brush my teeth at night, too. <laughs> I even floss. But doing it in the morning is really important because if you don't do it in the morning, you might offend. And going back to why this is important, it's because people are watching you and you want to make God look awesome. And, and this, is, this is how you do that. So consistency is really critical. And so I'd just like you to reflect on a few things. One is what obstacles stand between you and life transformation? And what is standing between you and having a regular devotional life? And for a lot of people, it's I'm not a morning person. I don't want to get up. And to you, I would say, well, come on, 15 minutes, five minutes. Just try five minutes. It's not a lot. What steps can you take to improve your devotional life? And what changes will you commit to making? And again, just once you leave GYC, just start with having a devotional every morning. Start with five minutes. Start with simple prayer, asking God for his blessing, confessing your sins. When I say confessing your sins, I, I used to take the master services agreement approach to confession. I hear some people chuckling, which means you know what a master services agreement is. Master services agreement is, in a corporate setting, if you have a vendor or a partner that you do a lot of repeated interactions or transactions with, rather than having a contract for every single transaction, you'll have a master services agreement that governs all interactions between you and this company for you know, 90%, and then maybe a 10%, uh, you'll have a special uh, contract. So the master services agreement approach to confession sounds a little bit like, uh, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for my sins. Period. You know what they are. I know what they are. 
forgive me. That's actually not confession. Confession is, and we could have a whole Bible study and spirit of prophecy study on this. Real confession is on your knees, reflecting on the last 24 hours. I shouldn't have said that. Lord, please forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. Lord, please forgive me. I failed at this again. Lord, please forgive me. One by one by one, reflecting on the last 24 hours and asking God to forgive you. And that has a number of benefits. One is, it actually shows you where you're making progress in life and where you're not making progress in life. There are certain things which I used to have to confess all the time, which, by God's grace, I don't have to confess anymore. That's called victory over sin. And there are other things which I used to have to confess all the time, which I still have to confess all the time. And that's you confronting the fact that there are stubborn areas within your life that only God can free you from. And that is reminding you, reminding me of why we need Jesus and why we need the Holy Spirit. This is what takes us to the cross. And so we, can't, we, we ought not to take the master services approach to confession. We need to be confessing specific sin on a daily basis. Um, and that's how God, in the last session, we read a quote about what a heart-converted life looks like. That's how God takes us through this process. And so we would, ju- we would just really challenge you. If you take nothing else from this session, the key message is this. Have a daily devotional walk with the Lord. Period. doesn't have to be big. doesn't have to be fancy. God will build that and work with you over time. And so with that, we will take a few questions here, and then we will move on to the next section. Um, but any questions about what we've shared with you about life transformation, its importance, and how you do it? Any questions? Yes? You spent some time talking about uh, private devotions mm-hmm. and life transformation. Yeah. In the business setting, sometimes uh, I know I personally will get into a trap where I promise more than I can deliver. Mm-hmm. And that affects my, uh, how much people maybe are impressed with me. Yes. Because I don't follow through as well. Right. Does that cross over into this? Is that part of what we're talking about? Where, you, where you're promising. Oh, so the question was is, um, in the business setting, sometimes you can overpromise and underdeliver, and that that has a negative effect on people's perception of you. And so your question is, is how does that how does that play into devotionals? Is that part of life transformation? Uh, if, I can, if I can have victory in that area of my life through my private devotional life, is the Lord convicting me to promise less? Yes. Okay, so, so that's, yeah, so how would, is that an area that should be a, a matter of prayer, frankly? And, and I think, yes, anything and everything that the Lord has laid on your heart should be a matter of prayer. And you're absolutely right. Um, if, if you are at, in the work setting or, or school or whatever it is, if you are always over-promising and under-delivering, that will absolutely make people 
think about you in a certain way. And um, as we discussed earlier, y you and the way you live your life is not just about you. It's about what, once you are a, an avowed Christian, you're a public Christian, you've come out of the Christian closet. <laughs> if people think you're an over-promiser, an under-deliverer, and you claim the name of Christ, you're, clearly that is a negative for your witness. And so I would say absolutely yes. Lay that before the Lord. Give me wisdom in how I work with my clients or how I work with my colleagues. Give me wisdom to be a man of my, my word, not to overpromise. Absolutely. Anything like that is um, great uh, subject matter uh, for laying before the Lord. Thank you. Other questions? Yes. Right, so the, the question is, is um, we're all a work in progress, and so how do we balance uh, being authentic about who we are and representing the name of Christ, yet recognizing that we are still works in progress, and, and how do we go about that? Um, So I, I think, one, that's why life transformation is so important. That's why confession of specific problem areas, areas of sin or you know, patience is a big one. It could be patience. It could be pride. It could be temper. It could be some of these kinds of things. Um, we need to be praying through that on our knees every single day. Um, and then I think once you've, uh, well, so let's say you're doing that and you have a very conspicuous failing. You've lost your temper at work. Once the Holy Spirit convicts you of that, you need to go to the person who you've wronged and just said, look, that's not who I am. I had, you know, I shouldn't have said that to you or I shouldn't have addressed the situation this way. And I think, you know, hopefully most people of goodwill will respect that. But that's, yeah, we just have to be upfront about it and, and just, and, and I think people will, res will respect that. But you're right. We are works in progress. Uh, neither of us up here are claiming to be perfect. We're absolutely not. Um, but that's why having this devotional walk with the Lord every morning so you don't offend is so critical. Thank you. Uh, any other questions? Yes. Yeah. Summarize what I just said about confession during the, during the presentation. It will. It is recorded, so you can actually go back and hear exactly. I'm trying what to think said. what aspect of confession, but. Oh, oh, why it's important. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it, it shows you where you're having victory. Like confessing individual sins shows you where you're having victory. It shows you where you're having persistent areas of sin that are very stubbornly embedded. And that drives you to the cross and reveals every single morning why you need Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Any other questions before we move to the next section? Or should we move on? All right, let's move on. All right. It's me. All right, so we have another poll. Now, this, this, uh, this section is called Attracting Spiritual Interest. This is probably getting into the real tactical meat and, well, meat, veggie meat and potatoes <laughs> of, of, the, of the topic at hand. How to live your life in a way that attracts W3s to want to know about Jesus. So let, let's get into it. We have another poll or survey. Take out your smart device. Go to menti, M-E-N-T-I dot com and use the code 9885 and 6. Let me just update this one because we need to switch from the other poll. 9885 and 6. Yeah, it's a different code every time. I am about to show the. All right. And there are three questions we're asking uh, on a scale of one to 10. Do you do something this frequently or rarely? One is I try to set a good example with my actions. Two is I answer questions if I'm asked about my faith. And three is I proactively engage in spiritual conversations with others. And the key word there is proactively. So we're getting some votes here. Well, this is a very pious group. (laughs) I commend you. I commend you for your piety. Uh, We're kind of, uh, so I try to set a good example with my actions. We're at an 8.3. I do this frequently. For I answer questions if I'm asked about my faith, which is a reactive type of thing. Uh, 8.1 means you do it frequently. But I proactively engage in spiritual conversations with others. That's a 5.5, so it's like a coin toss, basically. What's your preferred style of sharing the gospel? Well, we are going to show you how to do more and better with all three of these things. So that's what this afternoon is about and uh, tomorrow morning. All right. So as we get into attracting spiritual interests, we want to uh, set the tone with this. Uh, it's a, this is fake news, okay? Just to be clear. Uh, this is from an ad, um, a website called Barely Adventist, which is a satire website about Adventism. I don't know who's behind it. I'm not necessarily recommending it, but uh, this was hilarious, I thought. And so I will read it because you may not be able to see from the back, but the, t- the headline is, after a decade of letting light shine, Adventist woman considers mentioning Jesus. <laughs> All right. So the um, Shyla Demure, of course a pun, Shyla Demure, a 
committed Seventh-day Adventist has been practicing the living the sermon method of evangelism for well over a decade and thinks that she may have to talk the walk as well now. After years of hearing about how Christians should behave, Demure decided to let her actions and deeds do the evangelizing for her. She prepared answers for the many questions she expected people to ask her when they noticed how peaceful, loving, and non-addicted to drugs her lifestyle was. <laughs> However, the flood of questions never came. Quote, I always made sure to bring a vegetarian lunch with plenty of fruit to work, says Demure, but so many people are health conscious nowadays that they hardly noticed. Actually, someone did say something about my stripples the other day, but that was only to tell me that I should probably lay off on the overly processed, salty veggie meats. Amen. Demure also takes time each week to volunteer with organizations outside of her denomination. She makes sure that she is kind, patient, loving, and friendly. The only problem is that the other volunteers are the same way. <laughs> And some of them don't even go to church, said a very surprised Demure. Demure lets all of her friends, family, and acquaintances know that she won't go out and do social activities from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. But she is flabbergasted that most people are respectful and quietly accepting of her decision. They usually say, sure, no problem, another time then, said Demure, sadly shaking her head. Having spent most of her time stealing herself for insults, arguments, and confrontations that might arise when people ask about her beliefs, Demure was wholly unprepared for the utter lack of curiosity. It's come to the point where people think it's impolite to ask others about their religion, complained Demure. I might actually have to make an effort. Like, I think I might actually have to talk about Jesus with people instead of waiting for them to come up to me. Bummer. Now, it's, you know, it's funny, it's satire, it's fake news, but I think it actually hits very close to home. We often talk about how, um, you know, in a very platitudinous way, um, you know, always preach Christ and, if necessary, use words. Right? You've heard that. Always preach Christ. And if necessary, use words. But what we're here to say today is, at, a, at some point, yes, you must use words. At some point, if you're going around living a pious life and no one's asking you anything, that's actually not effective. That's necessary. Right? We're not saying don't live a pious life. Right? We're not saying don't live, like we just got done talking about heart conversion and life transformation. So we're not saying don't do those things. Um, amen? Do we agree on that? Amen. Yeah. But that is, that is necessary but not sufficient. And so let's talk about what you actually need to do. So a couple of, um, of metaphors here. This is uh, not only a fishing pole, but this is a fly fishing pole. And what is notable about fly fishing? Does anyone know about fly fishing here? So what's different about fly fishing from conventional fishing? Yeah, you're always casting. So in traditional fishing, you might throw a line, but then you just wait. You wait for the fish to come to you. But when you're fly fishing, 
you're always throwing, you're always casting, and you're trying to find the hungry fish. You're not trying to find fish that are not hungry. You're trying to find hungry fish. And it's actually more than that. I will add to this metaphor. Um, I actually spoke to a fly fisherman while I was on vacation, and he actually told me, you want to anticipate where the fish is going to swim to, mm. and that's where you throw your bait. So it's not only constant casting, which is also true, but it's actually a little bit strategic in anticipating where the fish is going to go. Cast where the fish is going, not where the fish has already been. So that's what we're trying to do. We are not trying to do this, which is industrialized net fishing. Industrialized net fishing, you're dragging you're, the dragnet. You wonder where the dragnet phrase comes from. You drag the net through the water, and you basically catch whatever is out there, hungry or not. And then you throw it into the boat, and you club it and kill it. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's what a lot of our evangelism might look like. You just try to drag people into the boat, whether they want to be there or not, and then once they're in there, you club them over the head with, you know, pick your favorite uh, document, whether it's spirit of prophecy or scripture or whatever, but you club them over the head and you kill them. Or the lucky ones squiggle around and then jump out of the boat. We are doing fly fishing, casting for hungry fish not dragging a net through the water and indiscriminately catching, trying to catch people. Does that make sense? Another analogy. When you go uh, and pick apples or pick fruit, has anyone ever been fruit picking of some sort? Many of us? Okay, so how do you know which fruit to pick? You smell it, you look at it, you look at the color, you kind of tug on it gently, and if it, if it comes off, then it's ripe. What happens if you yank a fruit off the tree, an apple off the tree that is not ripe? Will it ever ripen? It will never ripen, and it will die and rot. So we are trying to go through and hand pick the fruit that is ripe. There are people in your life who are ripe for the picking, and your job is to figure it out by observing. Seeing uh, how ripe they are. We are not doing this. This is industrialized harvesting, where, it's, where the machines are going through the orchard, shaking the branches to just get everything off into the bins to be sorted, and then the, things that, the, the fruit that are not ready are thrown out. That is not what we're doing. So we're fly fishing, not industrial fishing, net fishing. We are hand picking fruit. We're not industrialized harvesting fruit. Does, does that analogy make sense? All right. So how do you do this in a real day-to-day -day, um, situation? We're going to start this, and then we'll continue it after the break. But we have a few minutes now, so we're going to start this, and I'll hand it over to Cynthia. What I'd like you to get out of this image here is that this is a very intentional process. This doesn't happen by accident. It's not like, oh, you know, this amazing opportunity just fell in my lap and somebody decided to ask if I could study the Bible with them. That doesn't happen that way. You actually have to take a very intentional, active process to take somebody from just mildly curious to potentially an actual Bible study to hopefully um, somebody who's actually interested in, in um, believing in God and 
and taking it to the whole uh, step of salvation. Um, don't need to read all the details here because I'm going to go through each one of these, but let's start with the first one. So if you think about, I think I mentioned in three sessions ago, business school graduates like a lot of acronyms. And in business school, you get like the five P's and the five C's. So this is the five E's. And the first E is excelling in life and work. We already talked a little bit about this, where we talked about life transformation and why that's important for credibility. But it's really, the point is you have to have credibility up front and you want to make God look awesome, right? So I wanted to just give a couple of um, Bible, Bible verses that actually illustrate this. So in Colossians, we're told to whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, right? So everything you do should not be about you. It should not be about you know, you looking better at work or getting better grades, et cetera, just for your own gain. Once you have what we have discussed, which is once you have the name of Christ on your forehead in terms of figuratively speaking with your colleagues, everything you're doing is going to reflect on God and what people think about God. So that's why whatever you do, do it heartily as the Lord and not to men. Similarly, in Matthew, it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So again, they're looking at you that hopefully what they see in you is actually a reflection of Christ and that'll point them to God. Um, and actually, in, in Ellen White also said the same thing. She said that in order to do this effectively, in order to share the gospel effectively, we really need this credibility. So she actually wrote, in order to do this, meaning share the gospel, all the workers, that means you and I, will have to keep themselves up to a high level of intelligence. They cannot do this work and sink down to a low common level, feeling that it does not much matter how they labor or what they say, since they are working for the poor and ignorant classes. They will have to sharpen up and be armed and equipped in order to present the truth intelligently and to reach the higher classes. Their minds must rise higher and show greater strength and clearness. All that being said, what she's really saying is you have to bring your A game. Right? Remember, these people, they are at the top of their game in an earthly sphere. Right? So they are very successful in life. They've probably gone to really great schools. They're really smart people, et cetera, et cetera. So they've, they've, they've done a really good job for themselves. So if you're going to present the gospel to them in a way that's going to be appealing, you can't just you know, grab a random book and be like, here you go, take a look at this. Right? Obviously, I, I doubt my friends wouldn't read it. But B, what she's saying is that you are if you know them, if you are in a similar sphere, if you have also gone through the same um, life experiences in terms of going to those schools and you know, also hopefully being successful in your, in your sphere of influence, they're going to be more interested in hearing your perspective about why you, of all people, actually do believe in God. I've lost count of how many colleagues or classmates came up to me after they realized I was a Christian and literally just told me, I can't believe you're a Christian. I had no idea because you're, you just seem such a smart person, like why would you believe in God? And I think that that's actually a golden opportunity, right? Because the fact that they, they respect my intelligence makes them take, give me at least five minutes for me to present the gospel in a way that I know they will understand and hopefully appreciate. I don't know if that's gonna sign, up, sign them up for a Bible study, but at the very least, they will have at least one person they know who genuinely believes in God that they actually hopefully like and respect. So just to add an example to that, there is a, um, there is a, 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 a coworker of mine, a colleague, uh, who, uh, you, know, we, you know, we're good friends at work, and we were having lunch, and we got into a spiritual conversation, and she literally said this to me. She said, 
but David, you're a smart person. How can you believe in this stuff? And, and I say praise the Lord because that's why she's willing to even entertain the conversation. Because on a day-to-day basis, I had been doing what I'm supposed to be doing and, and excelling at work. And, and uh, you know, people have to have that respect for you in order to be willing to engage with you on such a personal, uh, you know, it's a scary topic, actually. And they have to trust you. And they have to trust that you're not going to tell them something crazy. And so that's why this, this, um, uh, this, this first step, you cannot skip the first step. So you need to reflect, like, um, what, you know, what, is, how, what do people think about me at school? Or what do people think about me around the neighborhood? Or what do people think about me at work? Not from a vanity, personal pride perspective, but from a, okay, so if, I were to, if they were to know that I was a Christian, would that be a net positive or negative in their mind? Not, not that Christianity is a negative or positive to you, but your life being a net positive or negative to Christ. So it's, it's really important. The other just brief comment I'd like to make is um, they cannot do this work and sink down to a low common level feeling that it does not much matter how they labor or what they say since they are working for the poor and ignorant classes. When it comes to doing church, we need to raise our game. I, mean, I, I mentioned in a prior session about when people ask me, oh, David, I'd like to visit your church. What time should I show up? And do I say, do I say 9.30? And have it just be like the five of us, them plus my family? Because they will show up at 9.30 if I tell them to come at 9.30. Right? Let's not be confused. Or do I tell them, oh, you know, sometime between 10 and 10.15, and basically sanction the lateness. I mean, and that does not look good. But we think, oh, you know, whatever, you know, no one minds, it's okay. Or, you know, we've always been there, we've, we've all seen it, that special music, which isn't that special. <laughs> or maybe it's special in a way that's not that great. Or how about that person who's doing the scripture reading and they come in like, you know, halfway through the pastoral prayer and they're looking it up on their phone while they're walking up to the podium? to do the scripture reading. Like, we've all seen that, right? Of course, none of us have done that. <laughs> of course not. But we need, to, we need to raise our game, not only in our public life, but even in our church life. So. Great, thank you. So we only have a few minutes left, so we'll keep going. This is actually, there's still much more to cover, but um, in terms of some easy things that require zero talent, frankly, right? So this is not really that hard. Being on time, things like energy, your attitude, being coachable, being prepared, these are all very easy things that you can do with zero talent, basically. Yeah, because sometimes people will say to us when we do these seminars, they're like, well, but, you know, David, you're really good at talking to people, and, you know, you have social skills, and... (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, like, you don't need any talent to do any of these things. Being on time, like, I have a special talent for that. If you're not Brazilian, you do. <laughs> um, what would your, so 
Ultimately, you know Brazilians listen to Audioverse, right? <laughs> I just wanted to be I'm clear. Brazilian, just so everyone knows. Okay, good. Um, so would your W3 want a friend want to be like you, right? Like hopefully you're, you're living your life in a way, we talked about this, living your life in a way that people find something in your life that they want. And examples of things that might find attractive is excellence in work or school, you know, health and fitness. We do actually have a, an amazing health message that we've had for hundreds of years, and it's only recently that a lot of the research coming out through the scientific journals are actually publishing things that we've known for hundreds of years. So we do have a health message that hopefully we're living in our lives and sharing with others. And can I say something about the health message? Sure. Um, we have a health message, but if you looked at the congregation of the average uh, church on a Sabbath morning, you would never know. And uh, hey, I told you I went veggie a few years ago. I lost you know, 10, 15 pounds just from that one change. And the Lord has let me exercise on a daily basis. But like, the healthiest people in the world are, you know, from our world, it's in the corporate C-suite. Like the more senior you get, the more fit you are. Like there's so many Ironman triathletes and things like that. Like if, if you are not living the health message, please don't talk about the health message. Live it first and then talk about it. Because otherwise they're gonna look at you and say, wait, like I've done five Ironman triathlons and you're telling me about health? So would your W3 friend, co colleague, coworker, would they see something in you that is worth emulating? Would they say to you, what you have, I need? That's the key question here. And it's not for your glory, it's to make God look awesome. Yeah. Um, how are we doing on time, I think? We have like one minute left, so. Okay, so ultimately the, the key question is what we're trying to say here is for this first step, which is excelling in your life and work, is your life a credible reflection of the transformative power of God, right? Do you have something in your life that other people would actually find attractive and want to know what your secret sauce is? So with that, we should probably take the break, then come back and we will go through the next four, the next four E's yes. of this process. Yep. Okay. So you want to wrap us up with prayer? Sure. Okay. Let's bow our heads. Generally, Father, thank you so much for every single person here, not only in the session, but broadly at GYC. I ask that you be with each of us as we learn more about you, learn about the amazing opportunities you've put in our lives to share the gospel more effectively with others. I ask that each one of us um, take a good hard look at our lives about how um, credible we are in our spheres of influence and help us to use the opportunities you've given us to um, really share your love with others and bring us back for the rest of this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So come back in 15 minutes and we'll go through the rest of the ease. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.